Hey, Frank, I'm loving this high-alcohol IPA. It's got me so loopy. Oh, hey, Larry. I'm actually enjoying this really good N.A. beer. Its ABV is so low. Really? I thought those all tasted like wee-wee. No, man, this athletic is a lot of flavor. Try it. Oh, man, you're right, Frank. Thanks for the lowdown. And now it's time for It Starts With Beer. One, two, three, four. Hello and welcome to It Starts With Beer. I'm your host, Will Sis. And in this episode, we meet John Walker, head brewer at Athletic Brewing Company, which in two short years has become a dominant force in the non-alcoholic beer arena. This episode is brought to you by Brassworks Brewing, making a wide variety of beer in Waterbury, Connecticut. We're talking a juicy, fouled-up New England IPA, crisp and clean Edison Light, a vibrant blood orange farmhouse, and my favorite, rich and chocolatey Abel Porter. You'll find their cans in package stores, and you can enjoy their beer indoors and out at their tap room. For more information, go to BrassworksBrewing.com. In 2017, John Walker met a man who had changed the course of his career, Bill Schufelt, who had a vision to make beer that was delicious and fit into an active lifestyle. The catch, he would have only trace amounts of alcohol. Most brewers would run, but my guest today, John, decided that this was what he was going to try. We'll hear how this Connecticut native had to travel to New Mexico to find himself, what goes into making a beer non-alcoholic, and what athletic brewing is all about. And then stay for the after party, where I'll share my top five reasons why you might want to get into non-alcoholic beers. But first, let's listen in. John Walker, I'm so happy that you're able to talk to me. Um, I want to start off with an apology. Um, I slept on Athletic Brewing Company um, much longer than I should have uh, and uh, was skeptical. Um, and so all apologies to you and the entire <laughs> the entire brewery. Um, can we start off? You are the head brewer and co-founder of Athletic can you tell me a little bit about your background and how it led to brewing? Yeah, yeah, of course. And, uh, yeah, no, no apologies necessary. And definitely appreciate you having me here. Um, yeah, no, so I grew up in Madison, Connecticut, and I'm back here now. But I grew up in the food and beverage industry. My parents ran a restaurant here for 20-plus years, Um and I just kind of like grew up behind the bar and making salads and, you know, working all the holidays and good stuff like that. Mm. Um, and when I went to, you know, I, I went off to college and I think the intention was to get me out of the food and beverage landscape, but I gravitated towards it um, for whatever reason. Where do you think you would have gone if, uh, if you didn't gravitate back? What, were you, what was your intention in, in, in school? 
Um, I, I kind of, I was really interested in anthropology mm-hmm. and then eventually kind of um, education and policy and, um, you know, how different cultures are treated within the educational realm based on policy and money. Wow. Um, so, yeah, kind of, you know, diverted out of that. And then I found myself back in food and beverage mm-hmm. um, when I moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico. What brought you um, out there? I, when I was in college, I went to my my semester abroad was on the Navajo Reservation. Oh, cool. And I taught at a Bureau of Indian Affairs school for a semester. And I fell in love with the people and the landscape and... Uh, you know the the air and the sky and everything everything west yeah so asked family friend where to go after i graduated in the southwest she recommended santa fe so i drove out wow so so you had had this experience um working on a reservation what was your plan once you got to santa fe um to find a job i had zero plan um (laughs) my my girlfriend and at the time and I both drove out with zero plan and as such she drove back about three months later oh all right all right you know what <laughs> and, let, let everybody's got their path yeah so and I I did not um, but yeah I found a really great group of people that I really wound up working with for about the next you know 10 15 years in Santa Fe and they they became my great friends and we worked in food and beverage for most of that time. So uh, what did that look like? Uh, restaurants? Um, I kind of I dove into the bars and nightclubs, um, of which there were not many. So oh, it really? was really, yeah, it was interesting. Cause, what time period are we talking about here? Uh, this is 2002, mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it went from, you know, everywhere from nightclubs to hotels to fine dining and everywhere in between. And I had my fill of food service at some point. Yeah. Broke off to do some blacksmithing. And then my what my now wife and good friend convinced me to apply for this assistant brewer job in two thousand ten, I believe. Well, what? I'm sorry, two thousand ten or so. Yeah. What bridged the blacksmithing and beer? Um, nothing. It, it was, you know, I, I was actually enjoying what I was doing in blacksmithing, and it was fun and creative, and uh, I had a lot of quiet time. Or it wasn't necessarily quiet, but time yeah. to myself. Sure. But, um, you know, it was just the opportunity, and my friend John was the, was the assistant brewer, and he just, you know, he thought of me. He was like, "I think you would really enjoy this, this atmosphere and this, this community." So, so I applied and I became the assistant brewer, and that was at Second Street Brewery in in Santa Fe, and I stayed there for about seven years and worked my way up to be the head brewer there. Nice. Now, what was the uh, Santa Fe beer scene like um, during your time? Um, it was really actually thriving. Um, Second Street is, you know, growing. It's almost 30 years old. Mm. Um, and 
it's doing, you know, it was, it was like ahead of its time. It had two pubs in the time that I was there, I think three or four other breweries opened. We probably had 12 in Santa Fe proper and maybe, you know, 80 in New Mexico total Oh wow! for, for a state with a population of, you know, maybe not even the size of Connecticut. Sure. Just um, really spread out. Yep. So it was a, it was a booming scene with a, with an even better brewing community. It was very close knit. What kind of beers did you really um, thrive at, at making or enjoy making the most? Um, I think, you know, everybody goes for it, but the, the IPA style, of course. Heard um, of it, yeah. Yep. And, you know, we have a, we had a different thing out there, so we called them New Mexico style IPAs, and mm. we love, love those. Um, but, you know, working with Rod at Second Street, he loved making like classic British styles, so English milds, sessionable beers, bitters, things like that were that were really fun and kind of explored the the more nuanced um, departments in beer like you know esters and you know yeast development and stuff like that so kind of went all over the map and cut my teeth and then you know started doing weird stuff with sours and barrel aged stuff nice so you really um were exploring and you sounded like sounds like you had the room and confidence of your employer to do that which is which is great yeah yeah it was a super supportive environment and you know we were super busy the pubs were awesome and the you know the people were receptive so it was it was a great time for really everybody to explore i'm just curious what uh what how would you describe a santa fe style um ipa so it generally it's not pale pale like your west coast like san diego ipa Mm -hmm. it has a little more malt character a little maybe a melanoidin or honey malt character Mm -hmm. zero crystal character um and is just inundated with hops and bitterness and new mexico also has a pretty not pretty an extremely high sulfate water content oh okay so it has it ironically it's like this beautiful really accentuated hot bitterness and crispness that you get from the water out there Mm. excellent so there you are at second street doing your thing um what happens after that um i uh you know life life happens and life and kids and wife and family and (laughs) My my whole family was back east, and so my wife and I had toyed with coming this direction to be closer to, you know, the kids' grandparents and my, my family. Mm-hmm. And so we had started dabbling and looking, but because I had a family and wanted to stay in brewing, I had to find the right fit, the right partner, you know, or find the right security. Um, and at that time, and after looking for a while, I met. Bill Schufelt, sure. uh, co-founder, and or founder, founder. Yeah, and sure. so we we kind of hit it off on the phone, and it was a bit of a surprise because the the forum did not say anything about non-alcoholic beer. Really? Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> now, did he do? Do you think? I mean, I don't have him here to defend himself, but do you think he did that on purpose? 
Did he, uh, did he tell you I, that? I, 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 I don't, he's never admitted that directly, but in conversation with other people, yes, there was some sort of need. I think there was a lot of reject, rejection. Um, would you have rejected it? If you knew it was going to be non-alcoholic, do you think you would have still applied and give it your, give it your all? You know, I like, I, I truly believe that based on the ad that he wrote and the charisma and passion that he can even portray in writing mm -hmm. that I, I would have at least inquired to see what the hell he was talking about. Sure. Now, prior to meeting Bill, had you made a non-alcoholic beer before? No. No. <laughs> and no. Um, so it, this was his vision. I've been reading up on, on his vision. He's, he is someone that, that doesn't care to drink, uh, you know, alcohol. Um, and you know, obviously it's called athletic. So there, there's a, there's an angle there for, for health. What, um, what were those early, uh, days like when it was, Hey, look, we got to make something that's going to stand out. Um, they were, they were nothing short of inspirational, honestly, Ooh. you know, I, and I, it, I don't know. It, it was so inviting. It was very much like Second Street, where it was just like, yeah, you know, like get the creative juices flowing. What What are we gonna do? How are we gonna do it? Um, how are we gonna make this excellent? Mm -hmm. And it was just supportive, and we worked together closely for a really long time, and by ourselves, um, just kind of going batch after batch, trying to figure out exactly how we were gonna do it. And you know, it was like the perfect sign of a great partnership where even when things weren't working out or things weren't tasting good, it was just like, okay, great. Well, you know, we agree. Let's make these next changes and move on and grow. And that's kind of how this whole company has evolved. What styles uh, were you starting with when it, when it came to trying to make you know, your first couple of batches of non-alcoholic beer? Uh, we were shooting for what our current two flagships are. So we were going to make a, a kind of a hoppy golden ale, which yep. is our current upside dawn, and then an IPA, which is our run wild. Which I'm drinking right now, by the way. I had with uh, with tacos tonight, and it Excellent. was fantastic. Um, Thank you. So, um, so, so you're toying with these. Um, can you uh, explain to me, uh, even though I've been writing about beer for a long time, uh, and, and to our listeners, how does it work? Um, how do you make this beer non-alcoholic? Um, so it, it's not one magic trick or one magic machine that we have. Um, that was kind of like, that's why it took 9, 10, 12 months to develop this process and why we still tweak it and work on it uh -huh. is because we're trying to figure out the best way to retain all of that delicious beer flavor that people want and have come to love largely because of, you know, craft beer. Right. And so, you know, through all of our trial and error, we developed a, its proprietary process where we tweak the traditional brewing process in, you know, 10 or 12 different ways along, along the way. And we wind up with a fully fermented, uh, beer that just doesn't have, you know, over a half a percent alcohol in it. All right. That is fine. When you, those proprietary things along the way, I feel better because I, I felt dumb thinking, 
Well, I think at a certain point they just, you know, heat it up to a million degrees and it burns off the alcohol and there you go <laughs> or something yeah. like that. It's not like that, but it, 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 so it's something that you guys do that's special, but it's not, it's not a special machine. It's not a special chemical. It's not different kind of water. As a matter of fact, your ingredients are very traditional, right? Yeah. Yeah. The ingredients are 100% the same and you know, it, it is beer through and through. It is the same ingredients that we love. It's the same hops. It's the same malt. Um, and, you know, that's why it took so long. And that's why we're, you know, we're really proud of it. It took a lot of work, not only on our part, but it took a lot of belief and faith on, you know, the people that supported us in the very beginning to blindly believe that we could actually get there. Oh boy, are they supporting you? And we'll get we'll get to that in a minute. But the um, the trial and error process, you know, I I remember hearing I don't know it was like maybe eight years ago. Um, you can't make a you can't make a flavorful um, non-alcoholic beer um, because of a variety of you know uh, problems along the way. It's just gonna you know eventually just um, you know the flavor just kind of uh, leeches out and that's why all the non-alcoholic beers taste like like really super light Miller Lite. Um, what, what were some of your trial and errors like? Did Is that how some of the beers came out? Kind of tasteless? Oh yeah. Yeah for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah some of the first ones were just they were terrible. I, I'd rather drink water. Right. Um, <laughs> and yeah so it was kind of funny you know Bill had been coming from Bill came from like the financial industry and hadn't had a good beer in a number of years and was really just like I want something give me something yeah and so he was a little more supportive of those earlier batches than I <laughs> right. was he had a was, lower bar <laughs> <laughs> um, you know and and they were good and don't get me wrong like there there are good ways to make beer on that um, traditional equipment uh-huh. we'll call it you know the beers are good for what they are it's just not um it's not what we were looking for mm-hmm. and so yeah we kept moving on and so to... i know that, that that there are proprietary things here but is it safe to say that if i worked at another brewery i couldn't just use your techniques and your ingredients and make what you make you've got something that makes the um athletic uh beer different um we have certain processes that you know make our make our beer what it is got it um but yeah i mean you could turn any brewery into and and make what we make 100 percent. you know the 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 hard part is when it comes into the the food safety landscape good point Good point. Now, I've had low-alcohol beer before. I uh, went out to Utah and had some great um, 3-2 beer. Um, they've been kind of doing that for a long time. Um, is there uh, is, is that the big uh, chasm uh, between something that's like 3% and 0.5%? Is that is that the, th- the thing that was hard to get over? Um, from a production standpoint? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, because... You know, when you're trying to think about how to how to keep it that that low, you know, when dilution factors come in so high, mm-hmm. and so it's it's really, it, it's still a challenge to this day. 
So can can let's talk a little bit about some of the specific beers. You know, I'm having the 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 Run Wild um, as we speak. It tastes to me like a West Coast IPA, um, and the 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 thing that really has wowed me is that there isn't that initial burst, and then it suddenly becomes seltzer water, which is what I absolutely thought was going to happen. I know it's award-winning. I know everybody thinks it's quite wonderful, and and obviously it should be. Um, but you know that really won me over. Tell me about uh, uh, Run Wild. What what kind of hops you use? What kind of what kind of um, uh, grain uh, did you use in that one? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We use a. So our, our base malt is a 100% organic Vienna malt. Um, I'm a huge fan of Vienna malt. Mm. It's delicious. It packs a lot of character for for any beer. This could be ales and pilsners, right? You could use it for yep. either one. Okay. Yeah, I, I just love it. Um, so, you know, just lightly biscuity. It's it's great. Um, so a little, yeah, so we've got the organic Vienna, and then we've got some organic melanoid malt. Adds a little color and some biscuit character. Mm-hmm. And then we have all your your classic favorite hops. We've got Mosaic and Citra, Chinook, and Cascade in there. All the classics. Yeah. yeah. So um, so that that's that one. The other one I've had is the Oktoberfest. We, is that new this year? Um, it's new to our big system this year. Mm-hmm. Dave Dave Fitch um, developed that last year on our little three and a half barrel pilot system, and we thought it was excellent and that it deserved its place in our our portfolio. So Dave stepped it up to our forty barrel system, and. Uh, yeah, it's also great. It's got, again, the organic Vienna. It's got a fair amount of Munich, and then I believe uh, a, a decent chunk of German Herzbrucker hops. Mm. And it is a brewed like like a traditional Oktoberfest. It's it's a, a lager. Indeed. Wow. It, it, it's uh you know it's it's not a lawnmower beer for sure, um, which is I think probably the first time I had it. Um, it doesn't refresh that way, um, but you know, for those who haven't tried it, um, I, I, and I've tried it by itself, and I've tried it with with um, with savory foods, which I think it does really come alive uh, with that. Now, uh, you know, you've got you upside down golden, uh, you've got a, a brown uh, harvest ale, and a and a stout. Um, let's go into the maltier direction. Um, how do you um, deal with the sugars that are in the malts because I, I would think the sugars would contribute to a higher ABV. Uh, how does that, how much can you tell me about how that works? Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of part of the process, um, but it, it's just a matter of controlling the sugars and the malts and you can play with pH and temperatures and rest times and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love it. I, I haven't gotten, I haven't tried the all out stout, but that's the next one I, I definitely want to get my hands on because it's, I'm a, such a malt head. Um, now when you're, um, you know, experimenting with a different, uh, style and I'm sure you've tried many styles, are there any styles that just would not work with, with this or is this, uh, is it, is it the sky's the limit? Um, I think to some effect, the sky's the limit where we'll, you know, ha- like speaking honestly, if we're going to have a harder time emulating a certain type of alcoholic beer, then it's going to be the the really high ABV, the the barley wines. <laughs> sure. Um, 
you know, where you're, you're really relying on like, you know, higher alcohols to, to oxidate to a certain extent and imperial stouts. Yeah. Um, that's not to say we're not going to try. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, because yeah, then it's a real magic trick, you know, at that point. <laughs> because, I mean, from what I can... From, okay, so um, I was trying to think of the many reasons why you would drink non-alcoholic beer. You know, of course, if you, um, you know, have an issue with drinking too much, uh, this, would, this would be right up your alley. Um, what have you heard of other reasons why people pick up uh, athletic beer? Um, I think it's one of the biggest reasons is people love the ingredients that we work with. Um, people love malt. They love hops. Even in, you know, in different countries, there are malt-based drinks that children drink. Um, it's interesting. It's nutty. It's, it has like all these different characteristics. It can be, you know, nutritious to some extent. The, you know, there are carbohydrates and calcium and things of that nature. Yeah. Hop has, you know, hops have great, you know, medicinal qualities to them. They're soothing. Mm -hmm. And part of it's just enjoying a good drink. Yeah. And so, you know, it's it's not just a beer. It's not just a non-alcoholic beer, but it's a, a great drink altogether. And people enjoy having one all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah. Lunch, breakfast, you know. Whenever, um, yeah, I th I think that that for me, the what what really made um, made me enjoy them even more is because they pair so well with food, and I think that that's the, you know, it's what I like about beer, but it's also what can be problematic about alcohol, is that if you're dealing with a you know an imperial um, stout or a or a you know Baltic porter or something like that. You know, after, you know, after six, seven uh, ounces, everything starts to you know, just weigh on you. Um, mm -hmm. This does not. So that's very cool. Yeah. And I mean, there, you know, along those lines, too, it's ours also happen to be, you know, between 50 and 80 calories, generally speaking. Wow. And so they really don't have that weighty heaviness that kind of like bears down on you. So they're just super sessionable. Yes. Yes, I, it puts it into a whole another another world. Um, so, uh, what what do you think of the fact that you've had such investor response? Um, you know, you, there's been a real influx of uh, funding. Um, a lot of people are excited about what Athletic Brewing is doing. Is that something you could have imagined when you were um, toying around with um, <laughs> with trial and error uh, with with Bill early on? Um. No. And, you know, my, my mind never really worked that way. I think I, I set out, I, both Bill and I set out on the goal to like make a really delicious non-alcoholic beer or a really delicious drink. And that was like goal number one. And my mind didn't go too far past that. I was just kind of focused, mm -hmm. but Bill, Bill clearly understood that there was a, a want and a need and a desire for this in, in the world. Yes. Um, yeah, I I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he wouldn't have um put put his uh time and and uh put his reputation into this direction if he hadn't really planned it out first, but he had a secret. I mean, this was not, you know, it wasn't like I mean, I don't know. I 
I certainly would never have said, you know what the world really needs right now is a beer that doesn't give you a buzz, you know. But clearly yeah. I'm running the wrong circles. I am far from athletic. <laughs> so that was the other reason why I didn't get into it. I said, this is clearly not for me. I, uh, I'm an endorsement. Um, I enjoy reading, so clearly athletic. Uh, it may I just may reject it, you know, because because of my lack of athleticism. Um, but uh, clearly not the case. Even I can drink athletic brewing. Uh, now, what are some of the benefits that have come from this <laughs> influx of uh, of money? Um, I think the from from what I can tell, the biggest thing is this. Um, uh, expansion uh, to, to California. Can you tell me a little bit about what's been happening since March? Yeah. So um, about a year ago, exactly, Bill and I had talked about expanding the business and trying to figure out how to satisfy all of our thirsty friends, uh, which we were having a hard time doing in our what we thought was huge brewery in Connecticut, but weren't. So we came upon this old ballast point facility in san diego mm. and we were out at gabf and got an email that it might be available so we hopped on the next plane and flew out to san diego to check out that facility and it took about six months but in february march we we finally closed on that property and so that afforded us in its you know existing footprint the ability to do about 50,000 barrels a year. Um, mm. you know, obviously, after modifying a couple things in the brewery and dressing it up and building a, an incredible team. But so, the, you know, that was one obvious great thing. So it was great for business, but also great for our overall community and to help establish, you know, a national presence and really get involved across the country. Um, another way in which it helps is you know you probably know we do two percent for the trails okay yes I, I saw that on the side of the can yeah yeah so we donate a full two percent of all revenue to trail and park cleanups um so you know we it's it's a great effort and a ton of money and it's just giving back to the communities in which we live and spend time and we want to preserve the trails and the outdoor activities that we all enjoy and love so we give that there and then we also get out there as a team in our respective communities and help clean those areas up wow that's um, wonderful i mean and certainly you know in this time when we were all spending way too much time indoors and 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 getting all pudgy and everything that um you know the, this this drive to uh, advertise uh, the outdoors uh, you know get, shed light on these trails it's perfect timing yeah. Yeah. So it's been great. So who do you think you're, you've been marketing to the most effectively? I know you're the brewer. Uh, and I don't know that you may say oh, that's somebody else's job, but what, what have you found that has uh, really um, uh, connected with um, you know, the demographics? What, what demographic do you think is most effectively, effectively being marketed to? Um, you know, it, 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 it really connects with kind of the younger generations, but also, you know, the middle, the middle-aged folks like myself or young parents um, who in this busy, stressful world and now even more strange, um, 
we need to need to and want to be a little more present and mindful of you know how we do things and what's going on and you know people like that but honestly we we really appeal to everybody down to my father um you know my father and i i grew up drinking sierra nevada pale ale with him and that was you know that's just what we did and it was great and you know neither of us have a, a problem with drinking but now we drink athletic mostly and you know he's getting older and it's probably good for him to to be a little more health conscious so i really think it's you know it really does connect across all ages yeah i can i can see that um you know where you know as people get get older it, it's you, you want to re- hold on to some routines and a lot of people's routine was always you know beer at dinner uh, being able to make that switch and not just IPAs, which I think, you know, might not connect to that demographic so much, but, but more of the, um, you know, uh, other styles, uh, you know, that, that this is a chance to, to keep up those routines and keep that connection. I stay for another beer. You have an athletic, you know, mm-hmm. and you're not worrying about, you know, the ill effects of, of alcohol. Yeah. And the, the professional landscape nowadays is much different than it was 20, 30 years ago. You know, yeah. getting getting drunk at your work lunch is pretty frowned upon these days. No, that's a quick way for it to be your last day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, that that's great. So that so the, that's all. That's another yeah. The professional, the the people who are getting older, uh, the athletes. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's really quite. Uh, it's one of those things where for me anyway, it's it was. Um, so large and yet so obscured and that once light's been shed on on this whole uh uh world then it's very you know obvious where where it can go from here but what is next for athletic what what do you guys have planned um first and foremost we're just hoping to you know build our again build our our presence in in the, the country and try to fill out the territories that we're in existing and supply the needs. Um, we have an amazing brewing team who would love nothing more than to just, you know, have have a little free reign and start getting really creative and drum up all the recipes that, you know, craft has exposed over the past 30, 40 years and mm. dialing that in and just getting a little crazy. <laughs> um, we're potentially looking at uh, you know, something in the, the zero zero realm. So we've been toying around with seltzers um, and just all sorts of other stuff, but really kind of focused on our, where we're at now and growing. And we, we want to be the non-alcoholic beer that people try first. Mm-hmm. And we believe in the category and we want it to flourish and we want to be around to support it and people and yeah, we're just hoping, hoping we can help it grow and we're hoping that we get some partners along the way. That's exciting. Uh, are you, is the beer available throughout the country? Um, yeah. So we ship throughout almost every state on our e-commerce channel. So you can you know order directly from our website or um, from Amazon. Um, <clears throat> we're nationwide in a number of chains like total wine and then in you know come about two months we're going to be in about 30 states in distribution that's amazing i mean you know it um 
you know, when we think of Stratford, Connecticut, locally, we think of two roads. Um, fascinating that here's another company uh, that has just, um, you know, really gone beyond the expectations. And I think this one, frankly, I just, you know, more of a surprise and more of a pleasant surprise for sure. Uh, so that's yeah. that's very cool. There's something about Stratford, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and, and Two Roads has been awesome. They're they're great neighbors. They're super supportive, and they really kind of help pave the way here. Cool. Well, John, I truly appreciate your time. Thank you so much for talking to me. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. My thanks to John Walker. You can go to Athletic Brewing company's website for more information at athleticbrewing.com or you can of course get their stuff on amazon which is mind-bending uh welcome to the after party pull up an ottoman have another beer you might be surprised to know that i'm drinking alcohol-free athletics oktoberfest very light in color, um, almost golden, but seriously, um, you know, grainy, lovely malt uh, nose, very clean drinking, as you would expect from an Oktoberfest. I think it goes even better with food than alone, um, but it's got a nice, uh, nice sweetness to it. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm drinking a non-alcoholic beer and I'm not afraid to say it. So um, listening to the interview again during editing, I noticed that I didn't follow up on one comment that John made. So I wanted to clarify that. He said that um, you could create what, what Athletic does at another brewery if you knew their proprietary methods. But he also said that um, the hard part is when it comes into the food safety landscape and I didn't follow up on that like a real journalist would so I emailed him and here's basically what he explained is that um, you know food safety for non-alcoholic beer is different than regular beer because it contains little to no ethanol to preserve it as a beer and so you know to keep away foodborne pathogens you have to really monitor every step uh, to make sure that the beer is shelf stable so that's you know his reference to um, the food safety landscape uh, you know they're really protecting this uh, a lot more than you would normally and he said pasteurization of course is a really crucial step so there you have it so I bet you're thinking why in the world uh, would I want to incorporate non-alcoholic beer like athletic brewing into my mix why would I want to keep that in my fridge I like real beer quote-unquote yeah I was you I was you not long ago and um, yeah so here's my list uh, my top five reasons why you would want to incorporate non-alcoholic beer one you have diabetes or another major health condition okay this is probably going to be healthier for you. Um, two, you're struggling with alcoholism. Um, this is uh, going to be a beer that is not going to get you buzzed, for sure. Three, uh, you're driving. 
you don't want to drink too much, of course. Uh, so if you're at a party, which, you know, I haven't been to in about a year now, um, you have one alcoholic beer, and then you spend the rest of your night drinking these. Perfectly good, good choice. Four, you want to lose weight. Right? These are like 70 calories or less. So you don't want to pound like, you know, six in an evening, but still less than a regular beer. And five, um, you want to start a new breakfast tradition. I mean, who doesn't have that fantasy that on a Tuesday morning they crack open a beer with their eggs and uh, toast? No, I would not have that, of course. Nope, nope, nope. Not till after five o'clock for me. Um, so I had an interview with Mary Pelletieri. She's this wise, um, super smart expert on quality control at breweries, among other things. And so that is in the editing. Um, and it has my first co-host on it. So he is a professional brewer, but which one? Um, another hint, uh, his brewery is in Northwest Connecticut. So that should narrow it down a little bit. Very excited for you to hear that one soon. My column comes out uh, today, if you're listening to this, on the day this drops, um, which is Friday the uh, 9th um, of October. And, um, you know, even if it's way after that date, you can go to rep-am.com, go to columns and blogs, and you will find Beer Snob. That is moi. All right. Until next time, sip well. One, two, three, four.